Beruchim Abayim. Welcome everyone. We're continuing our study of Simha. We're in class number 30. Specifically, we are studying the subject of Emunah. Last week, we spoke about feeling the Emunah. Not just talking about it, not just knowing it, but actually living with emunah on a day-to-day, hour-to-hour, moment-to-moment basis. The Pasuk says in Tehillim, Shechon Eretz live in the land the word is used when an animal goes out to eat and the animal graze is called means just like a behemah just like an animal cannot exist without its grass a person must know he cannot exist without emunah. Ur'ay emunah means, and you have to constantly look to eat and to bring emunah into yourself. Emunah is not something you do once in your life. It's not a study. You do have to study it, but it's not a study. It's not something that you finish and you get a grade on it and you're done. Just like a person needs to always eat, a person needs to constantly strengthen their emunah. It's a lifetime job. It just gets better and better. But you can't stop. Because once you stop, then you starve your emunah. As an example of that, we find in probably the most popular shirla ma'alot, we have in Tehillim, David Melech wrote 15 Shira Ma'alot. The word Ma'alot means steps. He wrote 15 corresponding to the 15 steps in the Beta Mikdash where the Leviim would stand and sing as part of the Avodah. Part of the service of God was singing. That was the Leviim's job. And they stood on 15 steps. So corresponding to each step, he wrote a shir ha-ma'alot, a song of the steps. One for every step. All of them, all 15, begin this, the same way. Shir ha-ma'alot, the song of the steps. Except for one. I think it's the most popular one, by us at least. The one that says Shir Lam Ma'alot. Instead of a He, it's a Lamed. Why does he change from a He to a Lamed? Rashi Alava Shalom says that it's interchangeable. Read it like a, like a He. It means the song of the steps. But we still have to know why he changed it. So some explain that the word Ma'alot 
as we know, doesn't only mean steps. Ma'alot means also quality. Going up. When we say a person is going up, he's going up the ladder. He's improving. He's rising. Shir lam ma'alot, which means that this song is not only the ma'alot in the Beta Megdash on the steps where they sang it, but it has the ability, la ma'alot, to raise the person, to take a person to another level. What do we find in this Shir la ma'alot? Right when we open up, it says, the beginning of this song is a person who is looking up at the mountains. Which mountains is he looking at? Is he looking at Har Sinai? Is he looking at Mount Everest? Which mountains? El Harim. Hazal say that he's not necessarily talking about physical mountains. He's talking about human mountains. Al-Tikra Harim Ella Horim. Horim are the great people that preceded us. Maybe our parents, maybe our grandparents, maybe both, maybe great-grandparents. Horim are the great people of the past. They're called mountains. Because of their greatness. Al tikra harim el ahorim. Says David Melech, when I want to sing shir la ma'alot, when I want to raise myself, the first thing I have to do is, I have to look at the mountains. I have to see the great people of years before us. By the way, why are mountains the right comparison to a great person? The answer is that a mountain, as tall as it might be, when you're standing next to it, you don't feel that you're next to a mountain. It feels like a hill. When you go far from the mountain and you look back to where you were, you suddenly realize that that was a huge, tall mountain. That is a hint to great people. Great people, when you're next to them and you're around them, you don't hardly feel that they're too tall. They don't allow you to see their height. They don't allow you to see their greatness. You stand next to them and you say, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a nice hill. But as you leave them, or as they leave you, and you look back, and you start putting their life together, and then you realize that that was no hill. That was a har. That was a mountain. Says David HaMelech, when I want, when I look to raise myself, my first stop is to look at the Horim, at those great people before me. He says, Me'ayin yabo ezri. Which simply means, from where is my help going to come from? 
And he answers, Aizri me'im Hashem. My help. What's the question? It comes from Hashem. Isn't he the one who made the heavens and earth? So my help comes from who else could help me? What kind of conversation is that? Who, who is he talking to? He asks, And then he answers. Why doesn't he just answer? Just say, What was the purpose of asking the question? Interestingly, the Midrash on this Pasuk says that David Melech was actually speaking words of his Horim. These were not his words. He was actually repeating words that were spoken by Yaakov Avinu. When did Yaakov Avinu say, Me'ayin Yavo Ezri? We don't find that in the Torah. Says the Midrash that when Yaakov Avinu was escaping from his brother Isav. It was not a very rosy time of his life. He was on the run. He left. He ran away from his parents, from his home, from his friends, from his surroundings. He lived in the house of giants, Yitzhak and Rivka. He ran away because his brother was chasing to kill him. He's not married. He's an older man already. He lost all his money. Eliphaz took all his money, the son of Esau. Says the Midrash that Yaakov Avinu was troubled. He says, How am I going to get help here? Eliezer, Eliezer, who is the servant of Abraham, when he went to find a bride for Yitzhak, the Pasuk says that the Eved took with him Asara Gemalim, ten camels from the master, from his master, Abraham. All the good, all the riches of Abraham, Eliezer took with him. I guess even then people valued money when it came to Shiduchim. He wants to get a girl for Yitzhak. So he's bringing the good, the goods. He's bringing the gifts. He brings ten camels. He brings a lot of. He knew the language of the people over there. He took gold. He took. He says. He says. Vaani, says Yaakov Avinu. That's how Eliezer was successful to land Rivka. He was very impressive. He came with a lot behind him. He says, Va'ani, lo nezem ehad. I don't even have a ring, nothing. Lo tzamid ehad. I don't have a bracelet. 
How am I going to be able to succeed? Who's going to want to marry me? I'm stuck. Eliezer was Matzliah. Look what he had. Me? I have nothing. How would I be able to find a girl, at least someone of quality? Says the Midrash, after he asked that question, Hazar ve'amar, he came back to himself and says, come on Yaakov, you think that this is how Eliezer found his wife? Yitzhak's wife? You think it's because of the gold and silver? That's what you think? It's because of the camels? He says, Hashem is the one that took care of him. It wasn't the camels, it wasn't the bracelets, it wasn't the earrings. It was Hashem that helped him. And if Hashem could help him, he could help me too. That was Yaakov's conversation with himself. When you read this Midrash, you wonder, this man, Yaakov Avinu, grew up in the house of Emunah, the house of Yitzhak and Rivka, grandfather Abraham and Sarah. He had a question. He really thought for a moment that Yitzhak married Rivka because of the camels. And the gold and the riches, that's what he thought. That he's asking me and he had to catch himself. He said, No, no, Yaakov, it's not so. And the answer to this question is that Yaakov Avinu understood the Pasuk in Tehilim that we said earlier. Shekhon eres Ura'e Emuna. Ura'e Emuna means you have to give yourself constant. Refreshers on emuna, And even if you grew up and your whole life you're living around ma'aminim of the highest caliber and you talk the talk and you even walk the walk and you do everything that a ma'amin does, that doesn't mean that you're constantly growing in emuna. Yaakov Avinu took a step back from Yaakov Avinu. He took a step back from the Baruch Hashem that he would always say. If you ask Yaakov Avinu, how's it going? He would say Baruch Hashem. If you ask him, how did your mother, how did, they, how did your parents meet? Ah, oh, was Mina Shamayim. Siata Dishmaya, how the whole thing worked out. Yaakov Avinu spoke words of Emuna and may even have acted words of Emuna. But Yaakov Avinu was always challenging himself. That his emunah is external. That his emunah is words. And Yaakov Avinu would step back from Yaakov Avinu for a moment. And challenge the old Yaakov Avinu. And say, Yaakov Avinu, let me ask you. Who's going to help you? You have no money. You have no gold. Who's going to help you, Yaakov? Tell me. 
And Yaakov would say, no, 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 of course I know. Not just because I was brought up that way. Not just because I was taught that. That was a mantra that Yaakov would say to himself, that Ezri, I know that Hashem is the one who did that. I'm not just saying the words that they told me. I'm not repeating like a parrot what they taught me in yeshiva. I'm not doing that. I'm saying it. That means even if a person would grow up in the house of Harim, of the greatest mountains of Emunah, that does not mean that they are living with the Emunah. A person has to constantly question themselves to reiterate to themselves that they, in fact, are the Ma'aminim. That the Emunah is real within them and not just an expression of their childhood or their upbringing or even their mind that they know about Emunah. But are they living it? This is called Wur'ay Emunah. Wur'ay Emunah means you gotta keep looking for it. You gotta keep asking yourself and keep searching for Emunah. We're gonna spend a few minutes today going over some of the strategies that a person is able to use to strengthen their emuna. Again, strengthen, we do not mean strengthen intellectually. We mean strengthen hush, we said last week's, the senses that you live in. Let's go to Yosef HaTzadik. Yosef HaTzadik, as we've mentioned many times before, is the symbol of the Ma'amin, of the person who has all types of things going on in his life, but only sees Hashem. A man who is not pressured by pressure because of Zemunah. A man who doesn't get down no matter what the situation comes his way. A person who never takes revenge against his brothers because he's a Ma'amin. He lived Emunah. We see him in Mitzrayim, succeeding in every step. He was in jail. Excuse me, before that, he was sold as a slave. Yet the Torah says he was matzliach. He was successful. He was in jail. He was matzliach. Paro comes to talk to him. Yosef, with his unwavering emunah, is not afraid of Paro. He's not afraid of saying the right thing. When Paro tells him, I heard you're a great man, Yosef says, not me. Yosef is not afraid because of his emunah. The question is, how did Yosef become Yosef? And the answer is not because he grew up in the house of Yaakov. That's not the answer, as we already just mentioned. How does Yosef become Yosef? The Pasuk tells us, there's a little hint in the Pasuk. When he was a slave by the master, the Egyptian master, the Pasuk says, Vayar Adonav, his master saw, Ki Adonai Ito. His master saw that Hashem is with Yosef. How did the Egyptian idol worshiper see that Hashem is with Yosef? 
How is that possible? What did he see? Did he see an angel? He saw a cloud? It doesn't say. It just says in the Pasuk that his master saw that Hashem is with him. It doesn't say that he saw that he was successful. The Egyptian who doesn't know Hashem, he saw that Yudke Bavke, Hashem's name, he saw Hashem is with him. How did the master see Hashem? Was there a sign on his head? How did he see that? How does he know Hashem? Says the Midrash. Shem Shamaim Shagur Bepiv. Which means, he saw in his mouth, the mouth of Yosef, he's always talking and saying the word Hashem. The Midrash explains further. The Midrash says that every time he would ask Yosef to do something, so he would see Yosef mumbling or talking to himself low. He was afraid. Maybe this man is, is doing witchcraft. What's he doing? Why does he keep moving his lips every time I ask him to do something? So he approached him. He said, what are you doing? He says, let me tell you what I do. Every time you ask me to do something, I want to be successful. So I say like this, Ribbono Shel Olam, Master of the Universe, Atahu Bithoni, I know if I'm going to be successful carrying out the mission of my master, he, I, I need you. I should find favor and people should look at me with compassion and do kindness for me in front of your eyes and in the eyes of you, my master. I ask Hashem to help me be successful and that I should find favor in your eyes. That's what it means. Vayar Adonav ki Hashem ito. He saw every time he would ask him for something, Yosef would pray. He said, Hashem, I need your help. I'm going to get him a bottle of wine. Help me. I should do it right. Everything he would do, he would ask Hashem for help. And that is a little window into Yosef's life. A person who lives with emunah or wants to is a person who has to constantly speak to Hashem. Not in the regular tefillah. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking day-to-day life. I'm talking hour-to-hour. A person is doing... I don't know that we're on the level of minute-to-minute. But... A person, as much as they can, whatever they're doing, they should turn to Hashem and say, Hashem, I need you to help me. I'm crossing the street. It's dangerous. Sometimes it's dangerous to cross streets. Hashem, help me. I'm going to drop off my son by his play date. Please, he should be safe. Watch over him. He should enjoy it. He should be safe. My husband's going to work. Hashem, watch over him. He should have a good day. I'm going to work. Help me out. I'm cooking for my children. Please, Hashem, it should be successful. They should enjoy it. And they should grow from it. Like we mentioned back, that food itself has in it more than just the physical food. 
the love that you put in it. There are countless moments in the day where a person needs help from Hashem, but they don't even know it. We take a step or two and we think, oh, that's easy. Some people only bother Hashem when they have big issues. And it makes sense, by the way. It makes sense. Have a big issue. So I'm going to knock on the door of the melech and say, listen, I need you. God forbid something happened. I, I had a very bad test. I, I have some issues here. I need, I need to come to you. When people have big issues, they turn to Hashem, which is great, but it's a mistake. The mistake is that the more you turn to Hashem and the smaller the request, the greater you become. The Zohar says that any small thing you should ask Him. But why am I bothering Him for that? So first of all, Hashem doesn't get bothered when His children ask Him for help. And more so, when we ask Hashem for big things, so that shows that we think He's involved in the big things. But when we ask Him for the small things, that shows we understand He's involved in everything. That means even the next step I'm going to take, maybe I'm going to trip, God forbid, Hashem help me. The more we're able to ask, the smaller the request, the bigger the emunah. So therefore a person has, like I said, no matter what you're doing, you're going to a class, Hashem help me, I should understand and internalize the class that I'm about to go to. Sometimes you go to class, you don't understand it. Sometimes you understand it, but you don't internalize it. It does nothing for you. Hashem, please help me. I want to understand it. I want to stay up. Sometimes I fall asleep in a class. It happens. I see sometimes people dozing. It's, it's okay. It's not, it wasn't on purpose. People come, they want to learn, and they fall asleep. So you say, Hashem, please help me stay up. I want to stay up today. I want to stay up. I want to understand it. I want to internalize it. A person should not take anything for granted. If it wouldn't be impossible, we should really ask every moment to breathe. But then we would, we would not be able to live. But that's what it should be. It, there's nothing automatic. There's nothing guaranteed. There's no guarantee that crossing the street, the guy by the red light's not going to cross. I mean, if we thought about it normally, we shouldn't cross streets. You know how many mad people are driving in the, in the streets? And you're relying on them holding on their brakes? At any moment, they could lose their mind. At any moment, they could lose their balance. Who knows who they're on the phone with? Who knows what just happened? And they could just keep going. Every moment, every step of our lives, there's no guarantees. And the more we ask of small things, the more we're living with Hashem on the smallest levels of our lives. You don't have to have big things to talk to Him. Hazonish says the source of this is from the Pasuk. In all your ways you should know him. Says Rabbeinu, now what does that mean? 
you should know Hashem in all your ways. Says Rabbeinu Yonah, Bechol ma she'ata holech la'asot. Whatever it is you're going to do, Verotzelehasig, whatever it is you want to accomplish, Da'ehu, Da'ehu means, says Rabbeinu Yonah, Pene'elav, turn to him, ask him, help me, I need your help. Umimela, hu yeyasher orchotecha, like the Pasuk says, he will straighten your road. This actually is learned from Yaakov Avinu himself. In that same Perek that we were learning before, Shira Ma'alot, he says, Al yiten lamot raglecha, al yanum shomrecha, which means, some people explain it, that it means like this, that Hashem will watch over your foot that it shouldn't slip and He will not sleep as He is your watcher. But Rashi Alava Shalom explains that the word Al doesn't talk about what Hashem is doing. It's talking about you requesting. This is the way Rashi learns the Pasuk that Yaakov Avinu was asking which means he was telling us pray to Hashem that the next step that you take you shouldn't slip please Hashem don't fall asleep watching over me one is talking about physical one is spiritual like the Gemara says spiritually a person can't overpower the Yetzirah Unless Hashem is watching him. So therefore, here's an example of what is he praying for? He's praying that the next step he shouldn't slip. Whoever prayed for that? Did you ever hear someone praying that my next step should be safe? But again, an example of how you lived with emunah. How you eat emunah by not looking at something and saying, this is too small. I'm not going to bother him for this one. Bother him. As much as you can during your day, no matter what you're doing, ask Hashem to be, that He should be matzliah. Again, every minute is quite a task for us. I don't think it's something that's within our ability. But certainly everything that we do, the next thing we're doing, we're going shopping, we're going on a trip, we're going to cook, we're going to work, we're going to learn, we're going, whatever it is that we're doing, that's a great opportunity if we train ourselves. Oh, here's another opportunity. Hashem, please help me that I should cook well, that I should do well, that I should... Simple. Today, this becomes even more difficult, this lifestyle of turning to Hashem because the world has become so big which means that we have so much access to hishtadlut that we don't really think about asking Hashem. Let me explain. It used to be a person lived in a small town or even a big town. If he needs a job, it's hard. How many people are you going to go to? You go ask this one, you ask that one. Today, there's endless 
places where you can go try to look for a job. All different types of organizations, every kind of website, every kind of, so much access to trying to land a job. And I'm not saying we shouldn't use them, but what it does is it gives the person endless hope that his effort will land him something. Listen, there are a thousand people who are helping people get jobs. I'm going to get something. When it comes to shiduchim, as difficult as it might be, but there's so many people, call this shadchan, call that shadchan, call that rabbi, call this one. We have a list of 50, 60, 100 people. They don't all pick up, but at least we have something. When it comes to finding a place to live, how many real estates that you could call? Again, I think we should call. But my point is that when you have so many options and so many roads that you can do, it's harder to turn to Hashem, where before, if you needed something, you had very little opportunity. Where are you going to go? So you right away you turn to Hashem. Today it's a little bit harder. A person, Lo Alenu, gets sick. How many doctors are out there? How many different doctors? How many people are helping with doctors? And we go to this one and find that one. Maybe this is a better one. Maybe that's a better hospital. And that, and that again, we should do all that. But because there's so much in the hishtadlut, there's so much available in our efforts, sometimes it doesn't allow us just to take a breather and to talk to the one who is really in charge because we're putting so much in our effort. So we have to be extra aware of this today, that throughout our effort, we must stop and turn to him. And say, I know only you could help me. I'm making my effort, I'm making my ishtadlut, because that's what you want. But I know at the end it's from you. I need you to help me. Please help me. That was Yosef. Yosef, no matter what he was doing, he asked Hashem for help. Now there's a flip side to that. There's the other side. Now don't forget, after you asked to cook a good meal and it came out good, don't forget to thank him. Sometimes people ask, and when they get, you don't see them anymore. Where, where, where are you? You're asking for something. Yes, for a baby, you got a baby. Where are you? Yes, to get married, you got married. Where are you? After the wedding, I didn't see you. You asked for parnasa, you made parnasa. You fell, you fell to the face of the earth. You ever see a person praying for parnasa? You ever see a person praying for refuah? What happens when they got the refuah? What happened when they got the parnasa? Where are you? What happened to you? Don't forget, there's a flip side to every request. Actually, people think they don't get answered. The reality is we get answered all the time. It's only the times that we don't get answered that we remember. That's the problem. We don't realize how many times we do get answered. How many times in our lives have we said refa'enu and we had a healthy day? How many times have we asked for and we got it. How many times did we ask for da'at and Baruch Hashem, we had good ideas and we made good decisions. The actual, the norm is that we do get answered. But the problem is when we get answered, we forgot that we asked. So we can't forget that after you ask, 
and you get answered, say thank you. Say modim. Modim is not just for the Amidah. The modim is just represented in the Amidah. Every time something good happens to you, you got home safely, you went on a road trip for an hour, you got home safely, thank you Hashem. How many things could have happened on that road? Thank you. I got home safely. You know what you'll realize when you say thank you? After a while, that you get answered a lot more than you think. That a lot of good things are happening to you. Much more than you imagined. So there's the constant tefillah. You could say it in any language you want. Anytime, anywhere. And after you get answered, say thank you. Simple. Not complicated. You don't have to be a big rabbi for this. You don't have to be very, very learned. Just be real. Emuna is all over the place. Grass for a cow is all over the place. But emuna is a lot more than grass. Emuna is everywhere you go. Hashem has emuna grass all over the world for every person. You just have to eat it. You have to go get it. Don't walk around your life by yourself. Have a conversation. Ask. Say thanks. How do people get close to each other? How does relationships work? Relationships don't work just in isolation. There has to be something between the people. You give me something. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Oh, there's a little point for the relationship. Could you please do me that favor? Of course, tomorrow. They do. Thank you so much. That was great. Relationships are built from a back and forth. People cannot stay separate. They do nothing for each other and fall in love with each other. It doesn't work. No relationship ever in history happened that way. No real one, at least. Relationships are a back and forth. There. Please, thank you. Do this, thank you. Hashem says, do this for me. Of course, Hashem, I'll do it for you. You want me to keep Shabbat? My pleasure. I'll do it. He says, thank you. Hashem, could you help me here? I'm going, of course. Thank you so much. That's a relationship. How else do you build a relationship if you don't have any communication? This is the secret of Yosef and all of those who are ro'e emuna. They see emuna everywhere in life. That was number two. Number one was ask. Number two, say thank you. Number three, you know, one of the most difficult things in Tanakh is when we find that Hashem is described in a physical way. For example, the Pasuk says, Vayered Hashem, and Hashem went down. Pasuk says, Ke gibor ish milhama. Hashem is like a gibor, like a strong warrior in the war. Rochev shamayim be'ezrecha. Hashem is riding heavens to help you. et Adonai, says the Navi. I see Hashem yoshev al ram benisa. I see him that he's sitting on a very elevated chair. We've seen this throughout Tanakh. 
where Hashem is described as looking, listening, coming down, sitting, riding. Now, this may not be a problem to anybody here, but except if you realize that we are commanded in the Torah, a very, very strong commandment, not to attribute any type of physicality to Hashem. Hashem is not physical. Physicality is bound, there's boundaries. Hashem has no boundaries. Hashem is beyond anything physical. Torah warns us not to put any picture attributed to Hashem, not to attribute anything physical to Him. He's not a body. He's not anything that even resembles a body. There's no gashmiyut in Hashem. That's a, one of the important aikarim, one of the important principles of Judaism. Yet in the Torah we constantly find that Hashem refers to Himself in a physical manner. How, how do we explain that? How could that work? The answer is that yes, it's very dangerous. It is dangerous to speak about God in physical ways. Absolutely. But the price that we pay the price that we pay when we don't have a physical example of God in front of us is too big of a price and therefore there was no choice let me explain humans we understand physical you put me in front of a king, I understand what that means. You put me in front of a judge, I get it. I'm standing in front of a judge. Anybody ever been in a courtroom in front of a judge? It's scary. You start shaking. In front of a melech, we don't have melachim today. But if you go in front of a very powerful person, you feel the awe. He's right there in front of you. Humans like me and you have a very hard time connecting to something spiritual because we're physical. So in order to understand Hashem that's spiritual, like for example, during tefillah we say, da lifne mi ata omen. Before you pray, know in front of whom you're standing. It's very hard for us because we don't see anything. We see the same room that was before. We don't see anything. So therefore, one of the ways the Torah teaches us is that we have to give a picture. Not to think that, God forbid, there's real picture. But we have to use the picture in order to be able to connect to something. In front of Hashem, you imagine you're front of a very powerful king. You have to have that imagination. Before you walk, you have to know you're standing in front of God. So therefore, Hashem constantly talks about Himself in physical ways so that we have the ability to appreciate His presence. 
Shiviti Hashem Lenerdi Tamid that we mentioned last week. Says David Amelech, I feel Hashem always like my right hand. David Amelech had an imagination to see Hashem in a physical way. Again, not that Hasve Shalom, someone should actually believe that, but just to give himself a picture so that they'll be able to connect to it. You know, there's the halakha and Shohan Aruch. Very hard halakha to understand. Shohan Aruch says that one should be careful that when they're getting dressed, it should be done in a tzanuah way. And even if they are in a private room, still, they should be careful not to dress a certain way, not to leave himself exposed. Why? Because Hashem is here. Melo kol so just because you're in a room by yourself, that doesn't mean Hashem is not here. So therefore, make sure you stay tzanua in front of Hashem. Halakha that I think many people know. It's the beginning of Shohan Aruch. He says, even behadre hadarim, even in the in the, the most interior room where nobody's around, be careful. There's a way how to get dressed. There's a way how to walk around. Now I say it's hard to understand this because melo kol ha'aretz Hashem is all over the world, right? So he's not under the covers. He's not under the sweater. He's not under the pants. What, what, what are we talking about? What does that mean? Hashem, the same way he got into your room, he could also get under the covers too. So what are you accomplishing by being tzanua in front of Hashem? When Hashem is able to see through everything? The answer is, clearly, is that it's about you. Because you and what you do has an impression on you. Mislaya Sharim says, what you do externally has a very big impression on your live. You know, people say it's all about the heart. Have you heard people say that? It's all about your heart. And guess what? They're right. It's true. It's all about the heart. Liba rahamana liba At the end of the day, Hashem wants our heart. That is the bottom line. It's all about the heart. It's not about the actions. What you do and I do is not really that important. What's really important is the live. 100%. So if you ever want, anyone ever said, it's all about the heart, you're 100% right. But, here's the big but. The heart doesn't have a button. If you could just turn on the button of the heart and activate it and it works, then you don't need to do any actions in life. Turn on the button of the heart, turn on emunah in the heart, turn on ahavat Hashem in the heart, turn on whatever you want in the heart. If there's a button for it and you could turn it on, then you don't need to do anything. But that's not the way it works. There is no button. Well, actually there is a button. The button is called your actions. The physical actions of a person are the button to the heart. Just like I mentioned before, you want to love somebody? Love is not something that happens accidentally. That's a, that's a joke. That's not real. Love is something, real love, lust can happen accidentally. But love, true ahava, 
only comes with a button. What's the button called? When you do something for someone. The most love we find on this planet is a parent to their child, a mother specifically even, to a child. Because nobody has done more for somebody else than a mother does for her child. Therefore, it's the greatest love. Sometimes parents say, you know, he's a big pain. You're right. And that's why he's the one you love the most. The bigger the pain, the bigger is the love. Sometimes parents have to deal with special children. They have other children that are not so special. But they love the special children much more because they struggle with them much more. The more you struggle, the more your love grows. That's the way the heart works. Yes, it's all about the live. But you can't get to the live unless you do something with your body. That's why Hashem tells us by tefillin shelyad, put on the tefillin on the arm. The arm is where you do things. But where is the tefillin facing? Right by the live. We put it right on the upper arm next to the heart. Because really it's all about the heart. But you can't get to the heart if you don't use your arm. If you're not going to keep Shabbat, if you're not going to keep Kashrut, if you're not going to dedicate yourself to Hashem, you're not going to love Him. It's that simple. Just like it works with everybody in the physical world. So our actions are really the way to reach our live. So if we want emunah in the live, we need to do something on the outside that activates the live. Guess what? Every time a person eats kosher, if they're up and aware, that's activating their emunah. Why am I eating kosher? Because Hashem told me. Every time we keep Shabbat, comes Friday, close to sunset, Shabbat's coming, everything is off. If we're up and aware, that act is not a, if you're doing because your father told you, because that's the way you were born, that's the way what you're used to, that's what you enjoy, then it's not going to happen. But if you realize when Shabbat comes, oh, here's another moment where I can tell Hashem, I'm doing what you asked me, I'm keeping Shabbat, all of a sudden, you activate something in your life. You write a check for tzedakah, Hashem, thank you, this is for you, because you asked me to. Another activation of the life. Every time we do something with our body, it activates the heart. And so too, when a person is in a room, it's true that Hashem is everywhere. But vis-a-vis yourself, you have to act out as if Hashem is standing in front of you. And therefore, you have to do something for yourself to make yourself aware of the Creator. Now, for the most, I would say, important part of this class, maybe most for me because it's my favorite, I feel like it's a very, very big anyan. I don't say it most scientifically, maybe, maybe, maybe the other ones are more important, I don't know. But to me, this hits my heart. And I think it's worthwhile for us to spend a few minutes on it. We must learn together a Ramban. The Ramban, one of the Gedolei Rishonim, writes in Parashat Bo. 
so important to know this Ramban. You have to put this Ramban in your pocket or in your pocketbook. Don't let it go. It's worthwhile. It's a life-changing Ramban. It's not a lot of words. It says the Ramban, Umin hanisim hagedolim. When a person experiences great miracles, hamefursamim, maybe even famous miracles, Adam modeh benisim anistarim. Then a person will be able to recognize the hidden miracles. Shehem Yesoda Torakula. He said the hidden miracles are the foundation of the entire Torah. So let's try to understand what he's saying. The Ramban has a question. We know Hashem runs the world through something called nature. Nature always repeats itself. Miracles are things that happen out of the norm. They're not in the nature of things. Kiriat Yamsuf is not nature. It's not what happens by an ocean. So splitting the ocean is called a ness. Says the Ramban, if Hashem wants to run the world through nature, which obviously He does, because that's how the world operates. Everything is nature. You jump, you fall. You kick, things break. If you, if, if you, if you boil something, it cooks. That, that's the way it works. Nature, nature is nature. Clearly, the design of the Creator is that nature should be the way the world runs. I'm not going to go over now why that should be so. But that's clearly his ratzon. His ratzon is that nature is the way. So the Ramban is asking, so why then does he do miracles? For what reason? Miracles is an out-of-nature experience. If Hashem wants to run the world with miracles, so run it with miracles. If you want to run the world with nature, so run it with nature. What is the purpose of a miraculous event that happened years ago or a miraculous event that happened in your life? What is the purpose of that miracle? Says the Ramban, this is unlike what people think, not because they thought about it, they just assumed that was. People normally celebrate miracles. A miracle happened to me. I almost got killed by that car. And just so happened, the guy swerved at the last moment, I got saved. A miracle happened to me, how I met that person. I wasn't even looking for that person. Miracle. We have maybe not Kiriat Yamsuf in our lives, but all of us have experienced some sort of miracle. And when the miracles happen, we celebrate them. And we think, 
That's the way it should be. We have a seudat hoda'ah. Someone lo alenu was not feeling well. It took a miracle to save that person. And all of a sudden, the miracle happened. Doctors say, this was impossible. How this person got healed, we don't know how it happened. Seudat hoda'ah. Let's go celebrate the miracle. Says the Ramban, it's a big mistake. If you're celebrating miracles in your life, so you haven't really understood what miracles were sent for altogether. He says the purpose of miracles is to see the every moment miracle. Which is, he says, the foundation of the whole Torah. If I ask you, what's the foundation of the whole Torah? Says the Ramban, the foundation of everything is that you have good vision, you have good eyes, and you're able to see miracles every second of your life. Let me explain, give you a little, little story. I don't know a better story to give you than this, to explain what the Ramban means. There was a man, hardworking man, very proud man, who supported his family with his work, didn't have any life savings, lived from week to week, no extras, no extra money, no extra food. Every Friday morning he would get paid, he would take that money and go shopping for Shabbat to feed his wife and his children. One Friday morning, the man shows up and the boss says, I'm sorry, I have no money to give you today. He says, but I, I don't have what to eat. He says, I'm sorry, I don't have. I hope to get you next week, I don't have. Guy goes home, his wife's waiting for the food. There's no food, there's no money. This is before people charge their accounts. You know, in, in the store. So, he's too proud to go ask someone for money. I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, but that's what happened. So now, his wife, himself, his children are all looking around. Empty refrigerator. Empty pantry. Shabbat's coming. They have nothing. They take out books of tailing. And they start reading Tehillim. They're reading Tehillim, not knowing what will be. All of a sudden, an hour later, they get a knock on the door. Unexpected. So, okay, maybe Eliyahu Navi is here. Maybe the boss came, maybe the guy got money, who knows? Knock on the door, total stranger, yes, can we help you? Yeah, I'm sorry to bother you. I, my car got stuck in the middle of the street. I need people to help me move it. Could you help me? Okay. The bubble burst. He said, of course we'll help you. They come out, him and his kids, they go and help the guy. And they push him all the way down the block. Guy gets out of his car. He says, listen, I really appreciate what you did for me. He says, don't worry, you're welcome. He says, what can I give you? 
He says, no, nothing. I do this, a chesed. What are you going to give me? He says, no, I have to give you something. Guy takes out a checkbook. He writes him a check for a thousand dollars. I can't believe it. Minat Shamayim. I can't believe it. He runs back to the house. He shows his wife and children a check for a thousand dollars. Dad, I can't believe it. A nest, a miracle. They go shopping all together. Usually only he shops. But this Friday, they're all shopping. Come on, guys, let's go. They're buying food, they're buying snacks, they're buying. What a Shabbat. So exciting. Friday night comes. The boys are with their father in shul. And there's a man in shul, he needs a place to eat. He's embarrassed to ask, who's he going to ask? He sees this guy with his kids, they look like. They look happy. You know, you want to ask someone for a favor, ask someone happy. See a guy who's an echa, you're not going to ask him. <laughs> so, you see, he sees a happy bunch of guys. He's okay. He goes, he says, he says, I'm sorry to bother you. I need a place to eat tonight. Is it possible? Would you have room for me to eat by you? He says, of course. Father, pleasure. Bismha. Yalla, let's go. They come to the house. And this man is watching this family. Regular family, husband, wife, children. They look like everybody else. Table, food like everybody else. But he can't believe his eyes when he's watching. He never saw a family like this. First of all, the simha on their face. Happy. Every bite they eat was like they're tasting every single piece of food that they're eating, the berachot that they're making. Amen, everybody's answering. They're singing. There's sameach. There's energy. He says, I can't believe what a family this is. This is wild. Hours they're going on enjoying every moment of it. This guy walks out of the house. I never saw anything like this. These are wow people. Appreciative. Enjoying every bite. Just great. Special. Comes next Friday night. He needs a place to eat again. He's in shul again. Who's he going to ask? Wants to go back. He also enjoyed it. He goes back, now he sees them in shul. They don't look like they're a little different than last week. They look like not so many smiles, not whatever. But okay, it's shul, you know, Friday night people smell get tired. He goes to the house, he's sitting there. It's like a whole new family. Berachot are not really being said, not so clear anyway. There's no singing, nobody's excited. No one looks like they're enjoying much. They're just going through the motions. And he's watching. I see what happened to these people. Something must have happened. This is not the family I met last week. These are different people. There's a no to do. There's a no. Should I ask? Should I ask? He's not going to ask. On the way out, he tells the father, says, I'm sorry to ask you. I, I, feel, I feel wrong if I don't ask you. He says, did something happen this week? 
Any tragedy in the family? Anything wrong? He said, no, what are you thinking? He said, well, last week I came, I don't know, this place was on fire. You guys were rolling. Simha, you could just smell the simha. You could taste the simha in this house. And this week you're like, no. This week I see something is off. So the guy tells him, he said, oh, no, no, no. He said, no, last week was off. Let me explain to you what happened. He says, last week, you have no idea what happened last week. Last week, we weren't going to have food for Shabbat. It was going to be a disaster. And then in the last hour, a miracle happened. We got food. We're enjoying. It was unbelievable. But this week, Baruch Hashem, I got paid in the, on time. Friday, I got my check off every week, and everything is fine. We're back to normal. <laughs> now, that's a real story. That's a real story where the Ramban would say, you guys missed the whole boat. The whole purpose of the miracle, this family, what they do? They celebrated the miracle. They had a miracle, and they're celebrating. They're going crazy. Wow, amazing. Can't believe it. What a Shabbat. What a nest. And when they got back to real life, then it's back to normal. Says the Ramban, you missed the whole boat. The whole reason why Hashem does miracles, really, nature is the standard. Why once in a while in your life you experience a miracle? You experience a miracle so then you could realize that everything in nature is also a miracle. That next week when you have food on the table, you should enjoy it just as much. Stop falling asleep in life. You have so much that you're getting. So much pleasure Hashem is giving you. But because it happens all the time and you expect it, you don't enjoy it. You're walking around with a face that looks like, God forbid, someone died or someone is sick. What are you doing? Enjoy your life. Say thank you. Now, you fall asleep one week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks. I said, you know, I got to do a miracle for this person. And what do they do? They celebrate the miracle. Oh, you missed the boat. That's not why the miracle was sent to you. This is the story of our lives. It happens in so many areas, in so many ways. You know, a person, sometimes, he's driving and literally a second, everything would have been over. Person was driving too fast, he missed the light, he got, and, he, and Baruch Hashem, even though it could have been a disaster, a ness happened to me. The car flipped over and nothing happened. The purpose is not to celebrate the miracle. It's to celebrate every time you get in a car and you get home safely. That's a miracle. That's a miracle literally without exaggeration. A person sometimes has a stomach ache and they're in pain. They don't know how they're going to live another five minutes like this. And all of a sudden, they have relief. They relieve themselves. They say, ah, Asher Yatsar, Eta Adam. They say Asher Yatsar with such a happiness, such a relief, such a simha. But they miss the boat because the next Asher Yatsar has to be that way. Every Asher Yatsar afterwards you have to feel the same, same, huh? 
The miracles that Hashem does for us is to remind us of the miracles that happen every day. By Le'ah, it says, Vatahar od vateled ben. She had another child. Vatomir, and she says, Hapa'am this time, Ode et Adonai, I'm going to thank Hashem. That's why she called him Yehuda. The Gemara says a very interesting comment on this pasuk. It says Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. From the time that Hashem created the universe, Lo haya Adam, there wasn't a person that thanked Hashem until Le'ah. That's very hard to believe. Noah thanked Hashem, he brought a korban. Cain, Hevel thanked Hashem. What do you mean nobody thanked Hashem until Le'ah? So some explain that people thanked Hashem when they had something special happen. Noah got saved from the flood. That was big. He brought a Quran. But for an everyday occurrence, like having a child, that's a normal thing to have a child. That someone saw the ness and someone got excited about that nature like it was the biggest miracle, which it is. Le'ah was the one who did that. I will end off by telling you the following. Two things on this subject. Every night of Pesach, every Lela Seder, we all know that we drink four cups of wine. And if anybody asks why we drink four cups of wine, so we all know that in Mitzrayim, Hashem promised Moshe Rabbeinu, He promised our people that He would take us out of Mitzrayim. But the taking out was gradual. It wasn't one moment. There were stages. There were different stages in the Yeshua, in the Yitziat Mitzrayim. So for each stage, we drink a cup of wine. Very nice, beautiful. Anybody here, you ask them, why you drink four cups of wine? Every little child knows that. As shocking as this might seem to you right now, I'm going to say, Rashi does not learn like that. Says Rashi in Masechet Pesachim. It's not a Gemara that says that. The Gemara says you drink four cups. Doesn't say why. Says Rashi, you know why we drink four cups of wine, little Pesach? Listen to this. Says Rashi, because if you look at the dream of Sarah Mashkim, when Sarah Mashkim in the jail with Yosef told Yosef about his dream, if you look over there, it says the word kos three times. He told them, Vekos paro beyadi. I saw in the dream I was holding the cup of paro. Mm-hmm. I took the grapes and I squeezed them. El kos paro. 
into the cup of Paro. Va'eten et hakos and I put the cup in Paro's hand. Three times in the Pasuk, the word kos is mentioned when Yosef is being told the dream from Sarah Mashkin. Says Rashi, look, it says three times kos. The fourth one is the kos berkata mazon. That's why you have four kosot. That's what Rashi says. It's based on Yerushalayim. Obviously, anybody who sees this Rashi first is shocked because that's not what we thought till now. It's not what we thought till now. Okay, that's not a big shock. There's a lot of things that we thought that are wrong. That's not a big deal. That shouldn't surprise anybody. But the biggest shock is what does that have to do with the night of Pesach? Why in the night of Pesach as we're celebrating Yetziat Misraim, we're celebrating the birth of our nation, we have to remember Sarah Mashkim. What does Sarah Mashkim have to do with this? And the answer is like this. The whole story of Yetziat Misraim all the miracles that happened in Mitzrayim happened way before Yitziat Mitzrayim. There was once a little fly. I don't know if you ever heard of him. A little zvuv, little fly. And that fly, he fell into the cup of Paro. And from that fly, the Sarah Mashkim went to jail. And in jail, he had a dream about going back to serve Paro. Yosef interpreted his dream. From that interpretation, two years later, Yosef got out to interpret Paro's dream. And from Yosef interpreting Paro's dream, Yosef became Mishneh Lamelech. From there, the Jewish people went to Mitzrayim. And from there, the birth of our nation took place. If you celebrate the night of Pesach by celebrating the miracles, Hotseti, Hashem says, all the, the Lishonot Geula, but you forgot about the fly in the cup of Paro, so you missed the point. And the night of Pesach, when we're celebrating Yetziat Mitzrayim, we go back and we say, oh, look, Yetziat Mitzrayim, Look at Hashem's hand where he put the fly in his cup. And from there was the beginning of the Shebud and the Geula. This is the right and correct way to live life. Celebrating the miracles is only as a stepping stone to celebrating life. And with that I end by telling you Mizmor Letoda. Mizmor Letoda is a song of thanks. This Mizmor Letoda was written by David Amelech and it was meant for people who came to the Bet Migdash to bring a Korban Toda. When did someone bring a Korban Toda? When he had some 
miracle happened to him. The Torah says, Im al If you bring a korban of thanks. Rashi says over there, what korban of thanks? Rashi says, Im al davar hoda'a al nes A miracle happened to you. Like what? person traveled through the ocean and got home safely. Even though maybe me and you would not call that a ness. Let's call it a ness. A person is in bed lo'alinu, in the hospital and gets out. Whatever today we say gomel. In those days, they would bring a korban, a korban toda. It's a korban of thanks. So David Melech wrote a song called Mizmor le toda. It's a song that when someone brings the korban toda, it shouldn't just be a gift, it should come with a card. The card is Mizmor le toda. Nice. Let's see what it says. It begins. Sing to Hashem. Who? Who should sing to Hashem? Hashem help me out. He saved my life. Sing to Hashem. Call Haaretz. The entire earth, I call upon you. All the people on earth, sing to Hashem for the miracle that happened to me. Wow, it's nice. Amazing. This guy's very confident. He wants the whole earth to sing for him. It's a very big... Ga'ava, I would think. It's a very big form of arrogance to think that because a miracle happened to you, so the whole world has to be singing for you. Imagine you're having a wedding for your daughter or for your son, and somebody asks you, so you're inviting people? Yeah. Who are you inviting? I'm going to invite all of Brooklyn. The whole Brooklyn. They're going to be invited. You think everyone in Brooklyn wants to come to your daughter's wedding? Like, who do you think you are? You really, I mean, you're a good person. I love you and all. But like, why do you think that somebody living in Williamsburg wants to come to your daughter's wedding? What does that have to do with you? Not only in Brooklyn, I'm gonna invite New York State to come to my wedding. What? I'm gonna invite the entire world to come to my daughter's wedding. Hello, are you normal? Where are you living? I would say this guy is not a realistic human being. His gava got too much of him. He thinks that everyone is waiting to go to his daughter's wedding. Okay, invite your family, invite your friends, invite people who care about you, finish. This guy, he got into some sort of accident. He's in the hospital. He gets out of the hospital. He brings the korban to that. He says, okay, guys, listen. Baruch Hashem, I'm alive. The whole earth should sing because I'm alive. We'll say, hello, sir. Really, no one knows you. No one cares about you. Just between us. Maybe your wife cares about you. Maybe. Maybe your children. That's it. Maybe your friends and relatives. That's it. Maximum. You want the whole world to celebrate because you left the hospital? Where are you living? Hariu Lashem let the entire earth sing to Hashem. Why? Because look at the miracle that happened to me. Doesn't seem to be the right way to talk. This question that I just asked was asked to Rav Chaim Kanievsky, Zecher Tzadik Lebracha. Somebody asked him this question. 
came to the rabbi and he asked him, Rabbi, could, could you explain this person? What's getting into our heads here that we're asking the earth to celebrate because we got saved? So the great rabbi said like this. He said, I'm going to tell you a story. The story happened sometime before in Bnei Brak. He says there was once a man, in Bnei Brak they have shuls where they pray. They just pray. They don't eat. Right? Not like our shuls. Our shuls they eat and then they pray. But over there, they just pray. Okay, we're living in Galut. We're living in exile. If you don't serve food, people don't come. That's how it is. So we got to serve food. Okay. But in Bnei Brak, they have places to pray. They don't eat there. They go eat home. Good. So one day, there's this shul over there. Yeah, whatever guys pray there every morning. All of a sudden, some guy walks in. One of the people in the minyan. He walks in with bags of food. He sets up the table with all goodies, breakfast. He gets up on the tevar. Rabotai, announcement, announcement, please join me after Shahrit for a special Sauda. Okay? They sat down, they're enjoying the food, they're enjoying the meal. The uh, guy gets up, he says, I just want to tell you what happened, why we're here today, why we're eating. He says, Yesterday, I was crossing the street here in Benebra and I got hit by a car, which by the way is a miracle in Benebra. That if you cross the street and you don't get hit by a car. But he got hit by the car. Okay? He got hit by a car. He went flying and landed on his feet. He says, it was a nest. Sheem Kamo could have died on the spot. He says, So I came today to give Toda. I came today to thank Hashem that Hashem saved my life. Okay, everyone clapped for him. Everyone said, Hazaku Baruch, Yashakawa. Beautiful. Everyone went home. Next morning, they're coming again from Minyan. Some other guy comes, also with bags of food. <laughs> Became a custom. These guys, for 30 years, they haven't seen a cupcake. <laughs> now, two days in a row, they can't believe it. Guy gets up, another guy gets up, Rabotai, please join me for a sauda, a special meal after the uh, shaharit. Okay? They sit down to eat. So one guy turns to him and says, I want to ask you, you also got hit by a car? What happened to you? What, what happened? Why, why are we eating this? So he says to the guy, he says, yesterday, I was here, and this man made a sa'udat huda'a. He got up and he said that he was crossing the street. A car hit him. He went flying. And nothing happened to him. He says, as he was talking, I realized that I've been crossing this street for 30 years. And I never got hit by a car once. And I realized, wait, who has to thank Hashem more? The one who gets hit by a car and miraculously makes it. Or if you're lucky enough not to even get hit by a car. He says, if he brings a sa'udat hoda'a, I of course you're going to have to bring a Says Rabbi Chaim Kanievsky, Mizmor letoda. When a miracle happens to one individual, Hariul Hashem kola'aretz. 
Not for him. For themselves. When someone is saved from a nest, the people who didn't even need the nest, they have to thank Hashem more than the guy. When you see someone say, thank you Hashem, you saved my life. Thank you Hashem, you gave me a kidney. Oh, I was going for dialysis every day. It was suffering, Shankamo, every day. Going for dialysis so hard. Thank you Hashem. You attend the seudat or the af, someone who got a new kidney. You should walk out of there happier than the guy. Because you have a new kidney. That kidney is still not as good as the one he used to have. Or the one that you have. Baruch Hashem, you didn't have to go through dialysis. Baruch Hashem, you didn't need a replacement. Every time you hear a miracle that happened to somebody, you have to thank Hashem more that you didn't even need a miracle. What we do is, oh wow, you got saved. Amazing, so happy for you. You're unbelievable how Hashem saved you. Hello, be happy for yourself. Be happy for the miracle that happened to you. That's one of the tools of emunah. One of the tools of emunah is to see miracles. The miracles that happen every moment with us. And Hashem sends us once in a while a reminder. He sends us a nest. A nest whether it's through me, through you, through a cousin, through a friend. But the nest, like the Ramban says, the purpose of a miracle is not for the miracle. Don't celebrate miracles. Celebrate the miracles that happen every day. That is the purpose of a miracle. And a person, by using the steps that we took today, by talking, by asking Hashem, you're going home now. Hashem, let me go home safe. After, say thank you, Hashem. A person who is <clears throat> constantly seeing Hashem in front of him. Shiviti Hashem Da'lifnemiyataumid. A person who understands that the purpose of miracles is to see the every moment miracle, to remind ourselves of how many amazing things have happened in our lives that we could never ourselves have actually put together, but they happened. Those are the reminders of the everyday Nisim that we should be so excited about. Not like that family that celebrated the miracle and forgot the next week. It's to constantly ro'eh emunah. Hashem gave us these miracles to eat the emunah that is experienced by us every single day. Baruch Amen Amen.